Happy Christmas and um, a very Merry Christmas from the Mission Somerset team and this is probably going to be our last podcast of 2020 which has been an interesting year and for this podcast a bit like Christmas we wanted to give um, a gift to everybody and and make sure that everybody has something so we wanted to talk about three areas um, which we'll come to in a minute Uh, But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. So, Father, we thank you that the things of your Holy Spirit lead to life and fruitfulness and growth. But the things of the flesh come to nothing. So we pray that this podcast will be filled and flowing with the Holy Spirit and not our thoughts and not our ideas. Because we want it to be helpful um, to people who are listening. Amen. Amen. Um, so the three areas we wanted to look at was um, what we've said and done with people that want to be new believers, two, what we've said and done with people who are already believers but want to explore mission and disciple making or church planting, and three, what we've said and done and found helpful when working with people that are leading a church or an established organisation. So, Jan, are you going to kick us off? Yeah, um, okay. okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, and uh, what well, I just thought, the picture I had um, with the, you know, who, who is a new believer, what, what's the purpose, what, do we, what, does, what, what are questions or needs does a new believer have? And it's obviously somebody that's, been seeking or searching and um, what I find is that they are uh, may have anxiety um, have some area problems difficulties in their lives and they're, they're stumbling and, and they're trying to find some uh, input spiritual input whether it's to do with in a private sort of personal way but also in terms of coming alongside people that they can trust and most of the time it's on a social level and they want to be connected with people that they feel they can get on with and can support them. Um, and uh, But ultimately it's only with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus can um, cut through all their issues, their problems, their expectations, the distractions. Uh, only Jesus can break through and cut through to to dealing with their need, their particular need, and um, so and and it's that, that it's the basic um, premise of the cross and the work of the cross, and that He died for our sins. And when we come and believe Him, that He died and rose again, and that when we repent of our sins, ask God for uh, to be forgiven, and we repent of our sins and make a commitment to follow Him. Um, and and get baptized in the Holy Spirit, then we we which is a general uh, message that you you put you may have heard it before may have turned you off, um, but it's the same message. But what you're missing if you just think it on that sort of cardboard, sort of rigid uh, description of what Jesus is and Christianity and what it represents in your mind and your perception of you know, growing up or uh, your perception of Christmas and baby Jesus and, you know, how, what relevance is that? 
Um, and it's a, it's a sort of almost like a wallpaper thing in our culture, Jesus, and people walk past it and they look to something more exotic, more um, rare, rarefied and a little bit um, difficult to get hold of. So if it's difficult to get hold of, it must mean something or it's special or it's unique. But but I've just got to come back to that point where it's it's a basic message of coming believing in what what Jesus did on the cross. He's dying for our sins and we come in line with that. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he, he can forgive us of sins. Then what happens is when you you know when you have humility and you you're flexible and you're ready to take what he's he has to offer when you have that flexibility then what he he has to offer is a very personal work that he can do in your life that he can reach into that that broken that raw bit in your life the the vulnerable bits the scared bits the secret bits the dark shame you have um Whatever your issues are, Jesus deals with us directly into that very private, personal area. And then what happens is that from that general idea of, of Jesus, then you realise it in a very personal way. And then you realise, wow, that is, it's, that is incredible. What he, what he does, the realisation of what he can do for you, that revelation that what he can do, he can... Deal with that bit that you've never told anybody about. Don't even talk to people about it. When you do, people look a bit look at you strange. But you you can open it up to him and just pray and ask him to deal with all, all the messy bits of your life. And when you see him start to deal with it, start to tidy things up, the 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 amount of appreciation that pours out of us. The realization that he he makes a difference. He gives you that peace. He gives he meets you what your needs are, and it's completely supernatural, completely magic. It's it's it, it's you know it's beyond our wildest dreams when he comes into that darkness. That light comes into that darkness, uh, and he, he makes a home in you. It is an, an amazing thing, an amazing experience. So I just um, yeah just a lot of just to say that. That, that that's the benefit that's what we get that's the plus of coming on board uh, and going deeper than just the surface wallpaper level of a cross and a guy dying on a cross uh, that's what happens and it's and it's it's uh, um it's so powerful that when he when he touches you and he reaches into you and i'm talking about something that um that happened uh, uh, almost 20 years ago but it still happens now that he, he, he still keeps doing it because we're always progressing we're always coming into challenges and we need him we need him alongside us uh, and uh, yeah so I just encourage you to look in just go below the surface and explore so, so yeah. there might be people listening Jan who feel very strongly that they want to help other people find Jesus they might want to find people of peace and start this kind of work in the harvest what for the benefit of those people what kind of things do you say or do or what are you asking people when you meet them or what are you expecting from them when you're meeting people in the harvest well um <clears throat> what we've done is um when we've like we're approaching season we, we know we want to like find people of peace uh, uh people that don't know jesus 
um, then we're going to we pray we pray a lot and and uh, limber up towards that 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 time when we're going to go into uh, an area of a town an estate and we, we're going to be like we're going to be praying about that and you know, lifting up to, to Jesus and asking him to move to uh, inspire us and to give us ideas um, and an area uh, you know just to speak and drop things in, in our minds uh, of an area to, to explore uh, and any pictures around that because um, uh, there was probably a season where we went um, to uh, pray about part, part of Glastonbury and we eventually went up there and we had a lot of flack uh, but I think there was just a moment when um, Damien sneezed and a lady from behind a hedge said bless you and we looked over the gate um, and we met this lady called Danielle and and that opened the door to people being baptised uh, over the last two years just opened so many doors and it still keeps on giving it's you know it's a gift that keeps on giving it's an answer to prayer it's a simple mm -hmm. thing so just praying uh, and um, God you know God goes ahead of you uh, his angels go ahead of you and open doors and um, so re really practically from the moment you have a conversation with someone who seems open what what do you or others on the team do with them yeah um well we we get them. Do you just leave? Do you just leave them and ride off into the sunset? No, we t well, take take their their phone number um, and um, I, I keep in contact with them. Ask them if they want to uh, come over for a, a gathering. Where we're going to do like food and read and pray and support each other, build each other up, uh, do uh, highs and lows of the week and pray into those things, um, and uh, that that's the real sort of core activity that people like and it's attractive and it's 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 not in any special place it's in somebody's front room and it might be like a gathering of like 12 people just sitting on sofas and on the floors and um and it's uh, uh it's just made up of all sorts of different people and um so yeah that's the sort of that's what we practically do yeah mm, that's great Okay, that's great. So hopefully um, that's been a bit of help and encouragement for people that maybe want to start finding people in the harvest who want to know about Jesus and what to do with them. Um, the second type of people that we wanted to encourage is um, actually people like, people like us, people like me, people who've been believers for maybe a while but feel that God's calling them to maybe do something different or to, to explore what it would look like for them to um, live more missionally or to make disciples of people where, where they live. So shall I kick it off? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, we often have people contacting us or saying nice things about Mission Somerset, which is really encouraging. Um, but... You know, the the reality when you're involved with this kind of work is it's very hard, isn't it, guys? Mm, yeah. uh, it's very humbling. And when you start doing it, you think you know what you're doing and you realise most days we have no idea what we're doing. And so, you know, when 
maybe people contact us saying they'd like to get involved or they'd like to join the network or they'd like to join the team. Um, it raises sort of a lot of questions because, you know, often what we've come from is an organized way of being a Christian or a form of church or a way of being together that's based on maybe what God was saying to people in a previous generation. And it's very hard to reorder and reorientate your life around what God is saying to you now. And so often, um, if we've been a Christian for a while, we often have to unlearn a lot of things uh, before we can feel like we're really moving forward with what God is saying. So very simply, um, you know, we say to people, who could you gather in your home straight away? Who could you gather at your workplace? Or where could you go and pray for and begin to share about Jesus? So it's a big shift from thinking we want to get involved with something and, and have fellowship with other Christians, which is not wrong. Please hear what I'm saying. But it's a big challenge to reframe everything you're doing around mission around making disciples. So I think we we encourage people to really take hold of that and to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus because that is something that we're all called to do. We're all called to make disciples, to share our lives with other people in a way that they can replicate the message of Jesus. So um, me personally, I sort of want people to feel that, that edginess of being on mission with Jesus, where it's not just about their comfort and fellowship and having nice time. We want we want people to experience what it's like to to walk by faith, to be out in the harvest, to see God at work, to have the joy of baptizing their friends, um, that they don't have to take take their friends to some expert somewhere else. Um, so. Yeah, that that would be it. that would be an encouragement to to people who maybe feel God is giving them a nudge or calling them to do something different. Go and try it. Go and learn by actually doing something and reflect on what works and what doesn't. Um, any reflections, guys? Um, I suppose what um, I felt like this this season this autumn is that. Um, you know, being being sort of leaders of, of Mission Somerset uh, is that how how um it's it's quite challenging and it's quite there's a lot of knocks hard knocks you've got to take from because you've become uh, something recognisable and and especially this year uh, where it seems to have like trebled the amount of people we 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 sort of with at the moment and that's really great and that's real fruit. Um, and so, but we become conspicuous for people to throw tomatoes at us, and and we're just saying, well, we're just doing what the Book of Acts do, does, you know, just simple house churches, and and yet um, that's I think that that's and and also that um, there's that sort of a ter- external attack, but also that within us, uh, you know, because we're quite we're all very different and that's what Jesus does. He makes us different, but we have a common point of reference uh, that we come together and that's Jesus and loving, you know, how will they know 
um, the difference with us from the people of the world. And it's because we love each other. And that's been laid down um, this year a lot as well, that there, there's been differences that have, uh, can turn up within us about the way things are going um, because we'll have a different view um, and that's uh, that's that's always it feels like it's about things that are just going to break up but then you know with prayer and um, standing by that 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 missional statement about f- feeding the sheep feeding the group of people that God's given us that's the, the bottom line um, and putting aside our, our our personal issues and and seeing the bigger picture so and it's only through that love that love that Jesus gives us that leave love that we extend to each other that it is has um, got us to to being here now in unity um, that's uh, yeah it's it's a, it's a learning process just as a, a um, being leaders um, and the the more you uh, the given the more is required it says and and certainly we've our you know our plate's been uh, filled um in that sense um of um, being more required put on the spot put on the hot spot um and um but yeah that's just part of them um the, the um the challenge that we, we we are we've undertaken so yeah okay thanks then uh, Damon, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so in this segment, it's offering sort of encouragement or gentle, loving provocation to people who are already believers about how to maybe step out or to begin exploring how to live missionally and making disciples. What would you What would you say to people like that from you, from your heart? Because you know you you've been working through that yourself. It's very funny because I was thinking if I was to give an answer, who would I give? And uh, that was exactly the thoughts that were going through my head. The reality is I do not know who you are or who is listening. But if you do listen, I think uh, it's very important to understand that uh, no matter of what background you come from, or what church denomination you are, or how great a leader you are, or whoever you are, it doesn't even matter. The point is when you start to do something that God wants you to do, Uh, the very people you love and the people that you care most about and the people that you felt you were integrated with, those are the very people will have a a shift of their thinking and their minds because inevitably you will go against the grain. And I I have noticed that a lot with myself. Um, I don't want to do that, but often when God tells me to do things in my life, I find I do things quite uh, unusual uh, and this unusual thing when I do do them, it, it conceals me away from everyone else, uh, except from Mission Somerset team. Uh, you know, they understand the vision that God gives me and they support me in this, really. But uh, the reality is, if I was to give you a picture of it, would be Jesus. Uh, there he is in the Garden of Gethsemane with his 12 disciples. One of them went away to sell him. And... All he's asking of them, right, he says, can you stay and watch with me for a little while? And he goes away to pray. And in that praying, basically, the disciples fall asleep. And that happens about two times, because on the third time, he says, that's enough. It has finished now. 
And it's a little bit like that. The work is hard. It is not a work that uh, I recommend you to adventure in because I, I believe strongly that you need to have a calling from God. It is important to understand that if you're going to do that, you have to be committed to it. Uh, and in this commitment, you will find loads of uh, challenges, uh, challenges that you have never encountered before. But nevertheless, you will have the presence of God with you like probably you never had it before. I have experienced the presence of God with me in ways that if I was to write everything down, it would be just like from the book of Acts. It is amazing. It is the, I would never exchange this for anything. And yet I, I find myself so alone in this journey that I often think how great it would be if my other believer brothers would be with me in this journey. And I would love that, you know, I would love my brothers to understand and to support me. But the reality is it just doesn't work that way. Could it be because God said that we are not all hands and we are not all eyes? And unfortunately, we do say to the hand, we don't need you and to the leg, we don't need you. Could it be that? I do not know. But it does feel that way. So the work is hard. The work is beautiful. Come along on this train. Um, you will experience sights that you have never experienced before. You will see things that God will do to you, just like uh, uh, one of the famous preachers recently when he went to Hong Kong, Francis Chan. He experienced healing for the first time and he's been a leader for more than 30 or 40 years. He gave up everything in his life and he follows God faithfully. He wrote letters to churches. Amazing book. But he never really experienced healing until he went to Hong Kong when he had to do things very differently from what he was used to. And the question now is how many of the people that loved him thinking he's doing something radical now, he's doing something different now. This is all weird and this is all strange. Well, welcome to this world. That's the reality. If you were to ask me how do I feel, I probably would feel uh, just like Joseph, you know. Here is God giving a vision to Joseph and in that he loses his father, his mom, his brothers. He's walking to a foreign country and then he's becoming an imprisonment and to the next thing he knows, he's leading those people. It is amazing to be in the field of mission and to see people that I don't know, to listen to me and to be so adherent to what I say. It is an amazing feeling, but it has its challenges, of course. People that I have not known become my family. Mm. There's a verse about that, I'm sure of it. And yes, so it, it is like that. So if you want to come and be part of a mission organization, uh, just like a friend of mine was saying that we don't do things quite like that and he didn't want to be part of us. Fair enough. I think he was missing the point. The point isn't to join us. The point isn't to be part of any organization. Many things look beautiful. Many things look colorful and attractive. <laughs> But if you are really seeking the will of God, you're not going to look for Mission Somerset or uh, X, Y, or Z church or X, Y, and Z mission. When God calls you, it begins with you and God. That's a journey. Mm. And that's where it begins. With me, it began in a Tesco's aisle. I was down on my knees when God spoke to me and he called me into mission. It was a long journey. I become a leader in Mission Somerset. Many people come to faith. It is amazing. It is beautiful. It's growing. But like Jan said, we are taking on a lot of heat from this, and it is a long journey, but we are resilient because our resilience comes from, just like Jan said, from the cross. Because whenever we look at the cross, the simplicity of the cross, the very thing that people find uh, 
naive or silly or stupid, we find amazing strength in that. Because when that light reflects and comes straight through, through that cross and hits us, we understand the reality of this world. It is a broken world. People live in sin. And that light needs to be shed on every single soul that does not know Christ. So if I was to choose perhaps between a group of believers already to uh, do great things together versus saving those who don't know Jesus, my heart is into saving those who don't know Jesus. Because the reality is, like Jesus said, I have come to heal the sick. The doctor is not there for the for the for the ones who are already healed. The doctor is there for the sick. The missionary's job is not to build empires. We are not doing that. Mm. The missionary's job is to proclaim Christ crucified, the mm. simple things to the sinner, to understand the sin in him and to repent from that sin by being baptized. And just like Ben liked to say, when you baptize your first person, your mission has begun. We've done about 80. I hope you stand on the same foot. <laughs> if not, I pray that God will give you the same amount or more. I pray that every one of you becomes a missionary, that you all start to begin to baptize people. Mm. It, is, it is a hard journey, but it's a beautiful journey. It's an amazing train. Jump on it. Listen to God. You'll do amazing things. Mm. Thanks, Damien. Mm. I think you know, Damien touched on an important thing there, is that you know, if, you're, if you've been a Christian for a while, you will have learned a certain way of doing things. And whether we admit it or not, or like it or not, um, often those things that we've learned are not the ways of Jesus. And, um, you know, Damien, Damien mentioned it. You know, my advice to a lot of people in this kind of situation is the work starts when you baptise your first person. You know, that, that's what Jesus did. It said from that time on, he began his work and he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the work began when the message of the gospel started to fall into the ground and into the people. And then people started to repent and be baptized. The work doesn't start when we set up our organization's name, we get a logo, we do a promotional video we get a website, all of these things, which they might be good things, but that's not the work. The work is people's lives being transformed and coming to faith. And I think that is a hard shift for, for, for us if we've been believers for a long time, because we're so used to doing everything, but the one thing that Jesus wants us to do. And just by asking yourself, what do I need to do to start making disciples? Um, Jesus will show you, won't he? Because mm. he's done it with us. Absolutely. Um, but it's often not what we think is the most important thing because a lot of churches and organisations are doing lots of things but not making any disciples. So there has to be something missing that in the way that we're doing things. Um, I mean, just imagine a world where we are working towards pleasing everyone. Imagine about, I don't know, two million people and they're all happy, they're all believers. And then next to them, there is their neighbor, about four, five, six million people who know nothing about Jesus or know very little or total ignorant to the truth of Jesus Christ. And two million people are thriving because of Jesus. And then these other six million people 
are dying slowly and they eventually gonna end up in hell the reality is ask yourself this one question which group which of which group do you want to be part of for when you will meet jesus christ what will you say to him how will you defend yourself it, it's, it, i think it's gonna be hard one of the things that i recently read and is nagging me a lot is the passage in the scripture where he says um uh, you know like faith without works mm-hmm. is dead and yes, we are not saved through our words. God knows that, and God is my witness. I don't believe that for a second. But why did James say it? Why did he say that faith without works is dead? Can you imagine to have faith, but yet to be dead? That's that's a really hard word. I just read it one of the nights. I was sitting up all night, and I read the book of James all night because I wanted to gain his truth. And he literally calls that person a double-minded person. Isn't that scary to be in that sort of boat, to think... That you have faith, but you have no words. That yet your faith may be classed as dead because you have no words. That's a challenging thing. Yeah. Very challenging. And again, I'm, I pray that God will show you ways to harness works. Not because you need them, but, you know, that's what Jesus said. Share it with the sinners. Share with sinners how you've been saved. Share with sinners about Jesus Christ. About the cross, what he's done. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks, Damien, for sharing. Um, so we're going to move on to like the third, the third type of people that we wanted to offer some encouragement and gentle, loving provocation um, is people who are leading a church or a network or an organisation. So you already have a group of people that you're responsible for. Um, so shall I get the ball rolling, mm. and then we can chip in? So. Um, my observation on a lot of, well, it's a lot of organisations, doesn't necessarily they're Christian or not, but a lot of organisations seem to focus on things that's not important. Um, so whether it's a business or a company or a church or, or a mission organisation, um, you know, the thing that I think most important is the foundation and the fruit. Okay, because if there's no fruit in what we're doing, then it's a waste of time. And if there's no foundation to what we're doing, then nothing's going to last and we can't build anything. So when I talk to people that are leading churches, whether they're pastors or ministers or anything, um, I used to think that my job was to try and persuade them to do what we're doing. And it didn't go down very well. Um, So... Now, what I personally try to do is I try and help them to think what is their foundation that they're building on and what is the fruit that they want to see or what God wants to see. So um, conversations I have with people is, you know, what what do you feel God is? What what is God's vision or what does he want to see the fruit of what you're doing in your area? And normally, um, if you're leading a church, it's easy to sort of get into a kind of managing the status quo attitude. And I think fairly clearly from the scriptures that God's vision is all about whole areas, towns, regions being transformed by the gospel. Um, you know, Jesus said, didn't he? He's going on to the next town. Um, Paul worked in areas and said he preached the gospel from this place to this place across a whole area. And so I think the fruit that, 
church leaders are wanting to see, I think God wants to maybe shift a little bit from keeping things going or managing the status quo or making sure that their people are happy to thinking, what would it look like for our church, our congregation, our network to become a radical movement of disciples that multiplies and transform a whole area? And that's a very, very easy thing to say. <laughs> and it's a very, very hard, if not impossible thing to do um, because it involves death, surrender, sacrifice, grace, love and humility. But if if a leader of a church or a network can begin to understand that vision, that's half the battle because it will inform the kind of things that you want to help your people do. And it will change you from being someone who stands up to try and keep people happy. And, and it will turn you into someone who feels, I have to equip these people in my care to become the disciple makers. I have to equip these people in my care to, to be able to hear and obey Jesus themselves. Because the work is far bigger than what we do here in our meeting or in this building. Um, so that's the fruit. And then the other thing I encourage um, leaders to think about is the foundation. So, you know, if you're building on the foundation of um, what you've always done or the expectations or traditions of your particular dom denomination or, or background, you're not building on the foundation of hearing and obeying Jesus. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday, he's the leader of a church, and I was saying to him, can you imagine if God communicated to all of us to stop everything, stop everything? stop all of our church activity, our mission, everything that we think God wants us to do and is right. Imagine if God said, just stop everything and don't do anything unless I tell you to do it. Things would look very, very different. Now, you know, that's an impossible situation for a lot of us, particularly if you're leading a church. But it's the idea that we need to start um, sowing into our people. That's what we do with Mission Somerset and our people. What does it look like to be obedient to Jesus rather than towing the party line or doing what they think we want them to do? And What is Jesus telling us to do? And so those two things, foundation and fruit, to me, is a really, really important thing. And it doesn't matter, as Damien said, it's not about Mission Somerset or this church or anything. It's about people hearing and obeying Jesus because he's the head of the church, all of us. Um, anything to... I mean, you've covered it really well, I think, and um, it's not much more to be said than that overview of, of being a leader. And I, I, what I just thought of was um, is the, the fact of um, or being in a leadership um, is that we uh, we don't sit back and um, uh, what's the word reflect on on things. And and sort of have a sort of distance observation of what goes on in Mission Somerset. It's 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 like uh, like I've been going door to door for the last sort of you know uh, three to four years, and I still love to, to do that. And what's happening now is that I'm bringing people alongside me in the mission that. Um, and, and I'm showing them what, what happens and what you do. Mm. And it, it's quite, 
uh, you know, if you've been a Christian, it's sitting, been sitting in a church for a number of years. The idea of going knocking on somebody's door uh, and on a, like a cold call to try and talk to them about Jesus Christ is quite scary. But we're asking them to do it. Uh, these the, the guys that come alongside us or, or the ladies to do it now in their brokenness, in their while well, they're 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 still struggling with addictions. Um, but what happens is when they're there and they're talking to people on the doorsteps is that they feel emboldened, encouraged. They feel that as there's God's presence, God's love, God's support. And they find they become um, equipped or, or they're given the ability to do that, that, that courage to do it because it's, it's, it's a supernatural thing. It's, it's not something in the natural that um, we do and um, I've just seen people just get so excited by sharing their faith on the doorstep um, you know you may have doors slammed in your face or you get some partial interest or you get people to will say a salvation prayer uh, on a doorstep I mean just the, the whole spectrum of, of the unpredictability about just talking to um, you know people uh, out there in the world uh, who don't know anything about Jesus and um, so um, yeah I suppose I just wanted to say that it, it, it's still about rolling up our sleeves very much so and um, but seeing other people starting to experience that 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 thing of um, doing the Great Commission and the joy that you get from it mm. uh, and it's not a labour at all and God gives you a lot more than what you give him when you step out in the Great Commission. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that, really. Mm. And I think to encourage you, Jan, you know, I think from the Bible and experience, you know, being a leader is someone who you actually do the things that you're hoping or wanting to teach other people to do. And I think in a lot of churches, leaders are not like that. They kind of exist in this middle theoretical ground. Mm. Um, they're not people that are actually, you look at and think, are oh, they, they are making disciples. They're advancing the kingdom of God in their own lives. And out of their own reality and experience with Jesus, they're equipping other people through their life. Uh, I just don't see much of that happening. And I don't see of it much happening in my life, which is why we're trying to do what we're doing. And so I think what you're saying is, is right, Jan, that it's, it's much more of a level playing field. Mm. You know, it's not like you have all of this head knowledge about being a leader. It's because you're actually leading. You're actually doing it. And you're equipping other people to do the thing that you see is needed. So, mm. you know, that's, that's, I think, an important thing to remember is that you might be looking at your church or the people in your care and thinking, oh, Nobody wants to make disciples and nobody wants to obey Jesus. But I've learned you have to look at yourself first. Are we doing that? Because ultimately that's the thing that people look at. Like our life and our example. Mm. Damien, did you? No, but I was just thinking that um, as a leader has so much on his shoulder. That the reality is if, he, if a leader was to, to generally do as well everything that God is calling him to do, which... I'm thinking I'm right when I say this, 
they probably feel they can't necessarily do it when they feel like the people are against that sort of idea. I think it's challenging. I think yeah. uh, I think that's where descaling probably comes in place. Usually, I think churches break when the leader decided to follow what God said. Mm. Uh, you know that often was the case, and it's challenging. Mm. But I think also the church has grown a lot more when 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 that has happened as well. Mm. You know. Because God's in the faithfulness of that leader. Mm. I, I know of churches back from uh, where I come from, from Romania, back in 1954, in the church of Richard Rumbrun, when this guy basically walked in with a, with a kagula on his face and a gun, and he said, all right, if you want to uh, worship God and you really believe in him, then sit in here and I'm going to shoot you up. And if you want to save your life, get out now. He was trying to flush out the spies. And the spies ran out, a few members of that church remained. And he took off his kagula, it was a fake gun of course. They said then, let us pray brothers now, let us pray for this truly just us now. That church started to grow underground, innumerously, yeah. you know. So God works in, in ways that we don't really necessarily understand. But yeah, mm. the challenge of a leader is mm. having his whole church with him and Imagine him doing that. I suppose it's an act of obedience, just like uh, Abraham when he had to take his son up that mountain. Mm. You know, mm. is he going to do it or is he not going to do it? Will he obey God or mm. will his desire and fears will take over and not be able to do what God said? Mm. But look at him. As he's about to come down with the knife, God shouts, no, I will provide. Mm. So I think it's a little bit of that in a, in a, in a leader's life as mm. well. Yeah. Because the, the, the members of the church are like children to, to a leader, isn't it? Mm. And then him having to do what God tells him, it can look like he's taking a, a digger and trying to, mm. you know, break his church. When yeah. That's not necessarily rea the reality, but mm. if that will produce fruit in return, I suppose it's worthwhile. I don't know. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, a couple of practical examples about that. It, so one of my friends who leads a church, um, you know, he's been thinking, how does he, how does he help people grow and how does it become more about making disciples and all these things? And I, I encouraged him, basically, we, had a, we were on the phone, and I encouraged him to get in his journal, um, separate the page into two, two bits, and on the left-hand side to write down everything that he's currently involved with with church, family, every, like everything he's currently involved with, and then to spend some time looking at that, praying about it, ev like evaluating it in light of where he feels God is calling him to be, and then write down on the right-hand side the things that you think you should be doing that's going to lead you to where God wants. And I left it for a few weeks, and then he got back to me, and he said, Ben, it's a bit scary. I said, what's the matter? And he said, well... I'm leading a church, I'm employed by the church, but actually I feel God's telling me to spend less time doing things with the church. <laughs> so um, that's what God had showed him, that he needed to model what it is that he's hoping people in his church to do. And that's the very real challenge that he has now. And you deal with expectations, because people think the pastor or the leader should be there all the time. But actually... The leader is someone who is leading and is obeying Jesus and modelling 
the life of being a disciple. So he he has a challenging situation. Some other friends were leading a Baptist church and what they felt they should do was almost um, give some people within their fellowship the freedom to explore some things. So instead of, you know, killing the whole thing, expecting everybody to do it, they sort of, they trained and got a few people to do things. And that was quite good because it sort of kept everyone happy. But you can't get away from the fact, I was reading, I think, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, when Paul's talking about how he was as a leader. And he says, we weren't trying to flatter people. We weren't trying to please people. We loved you deeply. But we were going to please God. And we were really straightforward. And I think we need leaders who are like that, who are going to be straightforward, very courageous, very loving, very gentle. But people who are unflinching in their desire to lead people into something different, something that's effective, something that's built on the foundation of what we see in scripture and that will lead to the fruit of seeing whole areas transformed by making disciples. Uh, yeah. So, well, we hope that there's been something in there for you and in the situation that you're in, let's take some encouragement from it um, because God wants to use all of us mm. if we're willing to listen to him and, and do what he asks us to do. So we want to pray that you have a good time over Christmas and New Year with your friends and family, but we want to pray most of all that you'll be disciples of Jesus. You make more disciples. Um, Damien, do you want to pray? pray for us before we finish? Thank you. Father, I lift up all these hearts that are listening. Mm. And you said, Father, that wherever their hearts are, there is their treasure also. In reflection of that, Father, I pray Psalm 37 for. If their desires, Father, are with you, I pray that you grant them the desires of their hearts. And Father, if their desires of their hearts is with you, I pray Romans 8.28. That I pray, Lord Jesus, for these leaders and these people who want to serve you, that all the things will work for the good of those that love you. Will you, Father, let that happen now? Speak into their minds, speak into their heart, and the simplicity of the cross, Lord. I pray that they, it will struck them, Lord. I pray that they'll understand or re-understand the reality of this world, the reality in which we live with broken people around us where people need to know you, Father, where people need to exalt you, where people need to, to hear about you and what you have done, Lord. For there is no greater love than one putting their lives down for their neighbor, just like you have done. Yet we were enemies. You loved us dearly, Lord. Help us do the same. Help these people do the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.